Hey guys, welcome back, BGC Gear here. We're back with Season 6, Episode 6 of our weekly P and Q and C and A and T series. That's podcasts and questions and comments and answers and talking for anybody interested. Link in the description if you want to access it as a podcast. And if you do, there's an extra hour or so of bonus content that you'll only be able to find on that medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a quick follow-up to previous videos. I am now currently sitting in front of a fixed and functional uh, new old computer. <laughs> I want to point out too, yeah, that so most people use Macrium. I use Macrium on the three other computers that I upgraded their hard drives to an yeah. SSD. And in this one, it wouldn't make a proper clone. It kept on having a read error, I think number nine or something. So Yeah, whatever that using- means. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it seems like a default kind of error for everything. So I ended up using another program, mm. AOMEI, which was completely successful. And oh, sorry, for Macrium, I even did, you know, the troubleshooting that they suggested, like checking the disk for errors before copying it. Um, it, it just didn't make a difference. AOMEI did it, no problem, completely successful. Um, and the SSD was upgraded too after replacing that uh, SATA cable, the internal SATA cable. Yeah, so that's a little bit of. Uh shop talk for the specs but a uh, long story short i am back behind the device that i think at this point in my life i am most used to working on right which is Thankfully. which is nice yeah uh so i mean we were having some actually minor technical difficulties with the with the other laptop uh with a little bit greater consistency than we were with this so uh here's hoping you know yep welcome back but getting into yeah thank you Good to be back. Our first question of the week comes from Jared Lopez, and they ask, or they say, lol, I'm also taking an intro to ethics class this semester. Have you taken any other philosophy classes? And I can answer that, and then you can answer that. My answer Mm -hmm. is no. That's the only class that I have, um, the only philosophy class that I have taken, and uh, quite possibly I'm going to take in university and it was actually canceled today because of the insane snowfall in in the area yeah no kidding I've the teacher couldn't get in I spent an hour last night digging the driveway out I spent another half hour this morning before work and uh I got sort of a snow day at work I came Mm. home a little bit early and then I had to spend another 20 minutes digging out the row at the front that the plows had put at the foot of the driveway Oh my god! So yeah, yeah we don't no we don't have a snow shuffle down here, as far as I'm aware. So um, we just I just have to kind of walk through the snow out to the normal pathway. Um, so there's like a there's like a I want to say ten meter walk just in deep snow right now, where I just have to step into the the boot prints left by my roommates and also uh, me last time I went out. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, yeah, it's getting not a great way to do yeah. things. Yeah. Uh, Jared's question. Mm. I actually took uh, I took philosophy a full credit in first year and second year university. Mm. And I'm going to tell you, the sad thing is that they were my breadth requirements. I was basically like a, a biochemistry major, straight up science stuff. And they, I don't remember if they were my worst marks. They definitely weren't my best. But if they weren't my worst marks, they were my second worst marks. And the straight up science stuff, I was actually doing really well. Like, well to the point where, you know, like, ridiculous stuff. I did. I, I, I must have told you the story where, you know, there's an exam where the class, uh, the average, is a fail, and they're oh, chastising yeah. us in the lecture hall about how we did, and then we were supposed to go to the front of the class to pick up our exams. 
And I, I know the lecturer must have seen something in my face because he started, oh, here, hold on, I think I recognize yours. And he was flipping through all the, the stack of all the failed ones and he couldn't find yeah. it there. And thank God. I mean, I, I did really, That was a really stressful well. time then. I was. That must I thought, have been really, really stressful. Well, I, I thought it wasn't that hard. I thought I did well. But then if that's true, how did so many people fail it? I mean, I, I think I ended up getting like 98 or something, right? And it was close enough to 100. Which is crazy. Was, right. But then when they had the redo after they were explaining to everybody what they'd done wrong, I still only got 98. And some people actually got 100. Some people that had failed the first one got 100. Hmm. I thought, damn, that, that really brought home to me the, the idea that the marks aren't always a reflection of the mastery of the material, but yeah. sometimes it has to do with just how careful you are during the exam and your test-taking ability. Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, the answer to your question, Jared, and then maybe a little anecdote that you weren't bargaining for. <laughs> Our next question comes from Jeevan, and they say, what feature would you like WB to add to the game? I think adding custom, savable team to offline and online to save time in editing gears and character compost. Also, gear loadouts being savable across all characters. That would mean you can spend more time playing the game. And I, I think I totally agree with both of those points. I mean, spending no more time playing the game is the best reason uh, to, to make any change to the game. And I think at the end of the day, there's enough stuff kind of in the way of playing the game that it, it would be worth it to streamline it a little bit. Especially when right. there's systems that are already meant to kind of limit the way you play, like energy, right? Energy is already a way to kind of limit the, the type of characters you're playing with, which I think is, you know, not at all a bad system, but there's definitely uh, some stuff that I don't think is intentionally meant to slow down your play. Like, I don't think, like, picking gears and swapping out gears is something that would, in an ideal situation, slow down your playtime at all. That's not like a, a mechanic introduced by the developers. Well, it used to be a different game too, right? I mean, your point is a good one where the energy actually limits your ability to play mm -hmm. but that's to drive you towards paying for energy recharges that's true but but the... i think it also it also serves the gameplay purpose of having you diversify your roster and true get out of your comfort zone and i think that's one of those examples where it's encouraging you to play a way that i would actually argue is more fun which is having to swap stuff off every once in a while having to try new things and i think the reason why it gets a little bogged down and maybe swapping teams when you run out of energy isn't so fun is because of all the other stuff like like sifting through all your cards and then sifting through all your gear cards for each of those cards that really make it a pain in the butt and not actually the system of having to change characters itself as much. I think the difficulty with analyzing the game like that, though, is that it's it used to be a different game. Mm. So it didn't used to have gears, so your gear loadouts didn't matter the same way. The fact that you could, well, they didn't you, you matter can't at save all. them. Yeah, you can't save them. You couldn't save them because they didn't exist. And once they added gear, that would have been another layer they needed to add. Yeah. And swapping characters, there used to be way fewer characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of all the stuff that's been added because of the challenges, right? Most of the characters that were available, like, you could just scroll through it relatively quickly. They didn't used to have, like, eight different Batman, Batmans. Um, yeah, and it, it's become a little bloated. Yeah, not in a bad way. I like to have options. But I think the developers have shown us, at least, that they're, even when it isn't an issue of income or... or like money, like purchases, in-game purchases, in-app purchases, yeah. they still are willing to do stuff that actually takes away from the game a bit in mm -hmm. terms of rewarding you for not playing. Right? So defensive wins. All right. So the fact that you even get 
defensive wins and points for it is, I don't know, to me, counterintuitive to encouraging mm-hmm. people to play. But then mm-hmm. the fact that defensive wins are worth more, and I get it, defensive wins are harder because it's the AI. Much harder, yeah. But the fact that they give you more points for it and it encourages people to want to set up defensive teams... That are annoying, that make people want to give up. Yeah. And in, not in, in the Injustice that we play, but Injustice 2, which we no longer play, and people keep on asking us every once in a while, why, why, don't, why don't we or we should? I mean, remember the missions that would lock away your cards so that you couldn't play with them? Oh, yeah, the ones where you send people away, and then there was a timer, and then you come back at the end of it for rewards. Right. Like, I mean, it, it's kind of cool for characters that you don't play, but it's kind of crappy that there actually is that option, especially when your roster isn't that big. Mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's a system for having you come back on a regular basis. It's not actually a system for having you enjoying your playtime anymore. And that's, I think, one of the problems with these kind of long-term... Uh, I forgot there's a term for them. Are they called lifestyle games? Where they're meant to like be incorporated into the way that you like live in your daily routine? You um, mean like with a secret identity lifestyle like Superman and Batman? N- no, I mean like literally like they're supposed to be incorporated into your... I, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, know I know what you I mean, know. but I'm thinking it's just a funny term for it because it doesn't seem to... It doesn't really... F- you know how sometimes a name is kind of intuitive and it... That that might not be the right name. I'm not 100% sure it is. Okay, so it's not... All right, yeah, okay. But... Uh, oh, this is going to be interesting. Aries but the problem is that they want you to come back, so what they want is concurrent players and you know they want people to keep coming back they don't want people to be able to do stuff too fast because when you have an experience that is limited by the number of hours that you have um in a day and not how like for how long a period of time and by period of time i don't mean like all at once but i mean like broken up over like months or ideally years you're playing it is Mm -hmm. that it like this is a game that's meant to kind of appeal to uh a mobile audience and get like a kind of wide but shallow following mm-hmm. because if you can like check in once a day you don't need to engage as much and it it kind of in that way penalizes people who have a lot of time and play games deeply and beat them and move on like those those kind of mechanics are meant to keep their hooks in you a little bit right where um just because you have a couple hours to play and sit down they don't want you to have a chance to play it and beat it or play it and become tired of it they want you to come back every day and even if it's for just 10 minutes they want you to not forget about the game and keep watching the ads and you know have it stay on your phone right and just use kind of your their their your attention is the resource that they're looking for and they it's worth more to have your attention over a long period of time than it is to have it in just a moment. And it's especially worth it when you have somebody willing to pay for in-app purchases, right? Because uh, systems like that let people pay to bypass some. So they'll pay and they'll bypass some of the waiting. They'll bypass a week or a month's worth. They'll get a little bit ahead. But then at the end of the day, those systems are still there to keep even the people who are paying to keep coming back, uh, checking in every once in a while. And then every once in a while when it gets annoying or when they want to jump in progress uh, to spend some more cash. See, I can see, you know, they've put a lot of, lot of time developing the game mm-hmm. as in Injustice, for example, and that mm-hmm. they want to get the most out of it. But I think that at some point they can't... There's a limit to how much you can do, no matter how effective you are at getting your hooks into people. Yeah. There's got to be a limit before it starts actually working against you a bit. Uh, I mean... Because right? you get frustrated, uh, right? With those kind of limiting mechanics. 
Yeah, people do, but I think at the the end of the day, the mobile game as a commodity isn't meant to be the most fun to people, it is meant to get the most money from people. And I think whether or not it's fun or frustrating doesn't often always actually correlate with how much money you end up getting from it. And I think the, whether or not a thing is fun isn't the thing that's making the decision, it's whatever their best guess is at uh, whether making this decision is going to piss off more people uh, to the point where they lose money, or encourage more people to spend money to the point where it's still a profitable decision mm. for for stuff like this and i mean that's not the way that everybody goes about doing stuff like this there's i think there's people that put a lot of time and effort into games and then are totally willing to not have it get its hooks into at all like uh, a lot of like short and sweet like indie games right really don't even ask for your attention for very long they ask for like an hour or a couple hours of your time and they say you know uh, here you go, get in, get out, you can be done, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and in a lot of ways, I think games that have a good sense of how long they want you for and get out before it gets old do a pretty good job. But, I mean, obviously we're still here with Injustice, okay. so. So right, when you were talking about that, it made me think of TV shows where the TV shows that have a specific arc and they know where they're going and when they're done, they're done. And they do it well, those are the best. Yeah. And then the shows that just keep on dragging on, like they feel, you know, you, you know, it feels like they're just, they've overstayed their welcome a little bit, but they're just sort of milking it a bit. Yeah, because they're successful and people want more. So they're giving people what they want, but at a fundamental level, they're just trying to cash in on their success. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally yeah. get it. Like, I mean, that's true. It seems like that's kind of a universal thing with not just games, but with a lot of media. Yeah, and I mean, because we have a YouTube channel for it, I haven't really stopped thinking about Injustice the same way that I would about a lot of these mobile games, but I know there's a lot of, like, short indie games that, as a rule of thumb, do a better job holding my attention for, in a meaningful way, for a long time, even when I'm not necessarily playing them, even just thinking about them. Um, Like, her story has held my attention for uh, almost as long as Injustice has, and I beat it in like 45 minutes years ago, and I I haven't actually played through it again since because the twists and turns uh, mean that I can't even really play through it again, but it's managed to stick with me um, not as much as Injustice has because of the channel, but much more than Injustice would have if it weren't for this channel, despite the fact that I would have put like, you know, 50, 100 times as many hours into this game as I would have into her story. Right. Yeah, no, no, no that's totally fair. I get it. No, because I, I remember playing her story. I think I played through it, right? Independent yeah, yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I hooked you up with it. I set you up on my computer, right. uh, left it open. Yeah, and and I mean, I'm sure it doesn't stick with you the same way that it stuck with me. <laughs> no, I guess definitely, I, I don't know if I can say that. I definitely, like, especially sort of that not surprise, but a little bit of a twisty kind of ending. There's a couple of twists throughout the game, which is surprising because of just the way that it's constructed. Uh, it's on it's on mobile devices now, which is actually really oh, cool. Oh, is it? That, yeah, that's a good okay. way of... That's a decent way of playing it. I know it's definitely on iOS. I don't know if it's on Android okay. or not. If it's on Android, maybe I could, should spend some of my credits on that. I'd like to support it and maybe just uh, take another look at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, so there we go. Uh, our next question comes from Max Ramos. And they say, I read Between the World and Me from Ta Nahisi Coates for my ethnicity and race. And I probably mispronounced that name. I'm very sorry. For my ethnicity and race in the U.S. class last year, it was very informative and jarring. Definitely worth a read. Please check it out if you haven't. So that was in response because I think I brought up uh, Ta Nahisi Coates last time. 
I've actually got three yeah. of his books, including that one on my to be uh, read list, to read list. I don't know mm. what the term is, but because the thing is, I mean, I I've seen his read his articles. I've seen some interviews with him, and every time I read something of his, I find something that's thoughtful in a way that I hadn't considered before, and it, and it just opens up my mind. And you know, as I'm getting really old, mm-hmm. that that's really hard to do. It doesn't happen nearly as often as it did when I was young, right? Like, you know, I'm, and sorry, I'm a bit set in I, my ways. Three-second sidebar, her story is on the App Store. It is $6.50 on the Google oh, Play Store. There you uh, go. Canadian, There's, so not bad. Put in some credits. Okay, there you go. Sorry, back back to that. I just wanted to look it up quick so that I could let people know who are watching yeah. this but don't want to Google it themselves. So maybe my reluctance to read codes, not reluctance, but just why I haven't, bump them up on the, the the list to read faster is sometimes I, I want to mm-hmm. be ready for it. Like a lot of times when I'm reading, just because the day has been so long, I, I'm looking for something a little bit, you know, more just like empty calories kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tone definitely matters, that kind of stuff, because and, I think there's stuff that you can read whenever and stuff that you really have to be ready to read or in the right place yeah. to read. Um, and you need to be like ready to think about it, because I think I think there's media that if you're not in a place to consider it properly then it's not like the the kind of initial consumption isn't necessarily the important part right oh so there was an example of Coates. there was one interview he did where he explains why it's wrong for non-black people to use the n-word but it's perfectly okay for black people to use it and he explained it in a way that made it seem that one made sense but made it seem really really obvious like you know like he compared, mm. I again off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly how I put it because clearly he's a professional writer and I'm not. Um, but he was yeah. talking about how you know there's other words like that where in context you know like the familiarity of saying calling somebody honey. If yeah. uh, you know your mom uh, called me honey, uh, that would be normal. But if mm-hmm. somebody walking down the street or at work called me honey, I guess that's not a great example because in the U.S. I think honey is used especially in the South, I think yeah. it's used more with more familiarity, right? Well, yeah, and I think that's an example too where just there's context where the, the just, it's not necessarily uh, the subject of the word, but it's also sometimes the person saying it. I think right. in that example, or if you are you come from the South or you're in the South, if there's somebody who acts that way just generally and it's really obvious and it's like integrated into their personality and you understand that, I mean, that definitely wouldn't apply to the n-word because i think that right. person would just kind of suck generally yes, like yes. um but where but, uh separate from the context of who's actually the recipient of that uh right. sometimes it's okay because of the person saying it because honey's got no negative context i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. but the n-word well, does i, I think it's got a huge it, amount yeah and honey can be whole... used kind of derisively or uh to diminish people right it can but be then... used as a bit of a diminutive but then when when you i guess that's that's true but as far as the n-word goes what people are trying to do it's that there's a phrase for it i can't remember what it was where you're trying to change trying to the reclaim way, what, it that's it reclaim it they're trying to reclaim it away from uh being a uh a real uh I don't know, offensive racist term yeah there's a ton of that being done with um lgbtq people too where yeah, a ton, think... a ton of that terminology is, people are self-identifying now because I mean, uh, like a lot of the words are, like, 
not I don't want to say accurate because they're ne- they have negative connotations those aren't but they're actually useful um, to to delineate between uh, people and if they weren't offensive they are uh, descriptive right and so people are trying to use them in their descriptive context yeah oh I want to put it in a plug just because we're in sort of a, on a related topic about how certain things are hard to they they're not as you know that kind of revelatory moment I don't get that that often. And there's, I want to give a plug to Ursula Gwynn, rest in peace. Um, she's mm-hmm. going to be sorely missed. But there was, an, uh, she did an essay recently. She published a book of essays recently called Words Are My Matter. And she gave a different perspective on abortion. And, and I'm, I'm totally pro-choice. Um, yeah. But I've, you know how the, the pro-choice, and I don't want to call them pro-life because technically, I mean, they, that's how what they call themselves. And I usually am pretty good about calling people what they want to be called. But I yeah. hate that it's, it's, even though they call themselves pro-life, it's effectively pro-birth. It's more like, yeah, it's more like anti-woman's rights, like a yeah. bodily autonomy. Yeah, so it, it, birth matters more than actual life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. but the, 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 people get into these these ruts where it's the same argument back and forth, and, well, I guess that's a phone call. We mm-hmm. don't want that. Um, so, the, she actually put it from a different perspective that I'd never heard before about why having choice was important Mm. and i i don't again she's a professional writer clearly i'm not so i don't want to ruin it for anybody who's going to read it but you should read it because ursula Gwynn talks from personal experience about what it was like i believe in the 50s about not having the option not necessarily not having the option but not having it uh readily available so that there was a lot of um pain and stigma associated with uh, not carrying a pregnancy through until the end. Well, if we're if we're doing um, shout-outs to people who do a really good job of explaining uh, left-wing rhetoric in uh, digestible and interesting ways, I'm going to recommend the YouTube channel ContraPoints. Um, she's a trans woman, and she so she is uniquely poised to talk about a lot of trans issues that I did not have visibility of, and I think she was really useful to me personally. But she's also a wonderful like uh argumentarian she has a background in academia and philosophy and um one of the ways that her content is really really cool is she kind of addresses she brings it down to the level of the people of the dissenting parties um which is something really cool like she talked about in one of her videos um one of her arguments she she made she was like, so I could make this argument, and this is right, and this argument is based off of the assertion that trans women are women, but uh, that is something that isn't necessarily taken for granted by the people who disagree with me. So although that's, like, correct, and it would be a way to argue this point, it's also not going to convince anybody, so I'm going to take it back another level. I'm going to argue on their turf, and I'm still going to prove them wrong. And that was uh, really cool, I think. Mm. Like, she yeah. does a really good job of kind of addressing... Uh, people's concerns in a way that i don't think the people on the left who don't are necessarily responsible to do like i don't think it's um necessarily anybody's responsibility to kind of uh, assume that these people that are probably arguing in bad faith are arguing in good faith and actually address their concerns genuinely but um she does a really good job of it uh even though she doesn't necessarily have to and i think she uh does a really really good job of explaining a lot of stuff and i've learned a lot from her videos Okay, so I'm going to say that probably the, the obvious reason why uh, it's it's actually good to hear 
people like Tanahisi Coates, uh, ContraPoints, or Le Guin, is that they're talking about things that don't really don't always impact us directly. Oh yeah, and so we don't have we're not forced to. I was gonna say we don't have the opportunity, but we're not forced to actually spend a lot of time thinking about it and thinking about it yeah. in ways where they can where where we can come up. It's like. I mean, the fact is, we're we're in just a challenge. In this example of our specialty, we've thought about the game in ways maybe more than people who are starting the game and who are looking for guidance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a great example of just maybe the value of diversity because their experience is different from ours, mm-hmm. and so that they have something that can actually uh, they can share with us that we're either not privy to or that we you know we don't i was gonna say we don't visit like we don't spend a lot of time with yeah which is kind of cool yeah very well said okay uh our next question comes from a mysterious gur that's g-i-r um and they say i've been wanting to say i'm so grateful for this being available (laughs) as a podcast i have a daily two-hour college class where i basically do nothing and the school blocks youtube but now that this is available as a podcast i can listen to you guys to pass the time and i want to say right off the bat that we don't um necessarily condone uh, this behavior uh but uh we're we're glad it's it's convenient at the end of the day we're not we're not here to tell you to pay attention to class or not and um i'm I mean, honestly, there are some classes where, yeah, I, I agree, not a lot is going on, so it's hard to. <laughs> All right, so what's funny? Kind about of dignify this, it with yeah. your full intention. This this intersects with a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about lately about language and stuff, and I I don't have any kind of expertise, and I don't want to even pretend that. But all right, so the first thing is I know that it's going to be almost impossible. Like if he's reading something at the same time he's listening to something and he's paying attention to trying to pay attention to both, I don't think from a, a, a an information. Uh, like taking an information point of view that you can actually do both effectively, even though they're, you know, hearing and vision because they're tickling the same centers of your brain that handle Mm -hmm. language. It's, it's going to be difficult. And it, I saw something recently where uh, is Twitter. So I don't know how accurate or, or true this is, but that babies Mm, before they can formulate words, they can still understand language. They just can't, say it because their musculature, especially in the tongue, is immature. So that they were teaching kids uh, sign language, and these kids were able to tell their parents before they could even speak what they wanted, whether it was more of something, that they were tired, or they just wanted food, or they needed their diaper changed, and that they were less frustrated, and some were even claiming that they didn't cry at all, and by the time they were able to speak, they had a larger vocabulary. That makes sense, because that's... that's there's a distinction between language and use of symbols that's a little bit uh iffy so uh people may argue that if they're not combining it in meaningful ways or they're not using it in any ways outside of the context of exactly how they're taught it they were more making use of symbols and actually using language but the the use of symbols is still kind of another layer of uh understanding and way of interacting with the with the world so that's really that's really interesting hmm I think um, but getting yeah, back sorry. to the actual uh, comment, uh, that's what I was gonna do. Yeah, yeah. I I want to say that other than the specific medium, I mean, we weren't specifically intending for people to not listen to college lectures and listen to our <laughs> podcast instead. But the the added convenience of being able to consume our content in a way that in 
otherwise they would not be able to consume our content. That's pretty much exactly what we ended up putting stuff on podcasts for. And uh, part of the reason that we did that is it's the same way for me where I was thinking about it. And obviously I don't rewatch our our videos, right, in my free time. Um, but if I was, I would much prefer this in podcast format and I would be able to get at it and regularly listen in podcast format where I honestly don't know or don't think I would if it was uh, a YouTube video that I had to sit down and play in the background the same way where like a podcast really is the format that I would choose if I had to uh, choose a platform to consume the content that we were making and so it seemed like the logical next step right and we got to give credit I think really to iProfit actually for this because Mm. as much as that's the way you consume your media, your podcast, we hadn't really been thinking about it the same way because like you said, I don't go back to listen to our videos either, right? We have a conversation, we put it up and then, you know, that's it. But it was, I profit one of our patrons who not only, like a few other people had actually asked for it as a podcast, but the fact that he was one of our patrons made it, I don't want to say feasible because it's not like we were relying on the income for anything, but made it more practical something that was worthwhile considering because yeah yeah because it was we were supporting our fans and it wasn't kind of a it was a direct expense to us but it was offset by the actual value that we we're providing of supporting the people that are at the end of the day uh the people who are giving us money right the people who are financially supporting this channel right because what what we expected to happen actually did, and probably in uh, in a bigger way than I would have expected. Because, yeah, which is wild. Yeah, I expected that there would be drops in views, which there were. I expected there would be drops mm-hmm. in revenue on our YouTube videos, which there were. But it mm-hmm. the the views dropped way out of proportion, I think, compared to the people who are actually downloading the podcast, yeah. along with the revenue. Yeah, and it's so, weird because we're getting like thirty. I think that is the most downloads we have on any of our episodes. Let me actually check the metrics now. So we're getting a really low number of downloads, but we've also hemorrhaged views of way more than our download numbers. Our most recent podcast episode, that's a week ago at this point, has 14 plays, and 26 is our most played, which is our bonus content. Right, so to me, my speculation is, okay, so just, you know, talking turkey, right? So up -hmm. until we started doing the podcast, we were making maybe about uh getting about a thousand views on the mm-hmm. uh the basically the q a the p and q c and q and a and t mm-hmm. um and or q and c and a and t i'm gonna i'm never gonna get that right um but so we're dropping about 500 views and the income was dropping from uh maybe about three bucks down to less than one and yeah. so it makes me think that those views a lot of those views were people coming, watching part of it, not being able to finish, and coming back to it later, but it was a small number of people doing that. Yeah, and, and I also want to uh, give a shout-out here, too, because I think it's only fair, because we gave one to iProfit, also to Anonymous B, who has been asking for the podcast for the longest amount of time and kept coming back with it, and also asked a question uh, if we were going to make it a podcast, which we sum- summarily shut down uh, pretty brutally the first time <laughs> around. We were very vehement. Um, so I think I think anonymous V deserves a little bit of a thank you here for for believing in us when we didn't even believe in ourselves. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So 
it's funny looking at the stuff because if you look at the if you you're analyzing the numbers, it, the, yeah. they're still small enough that I think it could be just the natural fluctuation as people play and stop playing injustice, right? Mm-hmm. But because it's hard for me to believe that there are not even dozens, dozen, a dozen people who are downloading the podcast now were responsible for two thirds five hundred views. Yeah, yeah, half the views and two thirds of the revenue. But there you have it. I mean, this is, you know, the numbers are there. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, we, we, we're also comparing it to the peak when we're saying right before we started the podcast, when there were, I believe it was around the time there was a new update. So the numbers were maybe a little bit higher. And this could be just the natural yeah. sort of slowing down that we see whenever there's no update because the number of just regular injustice players is still relatively small and it's the updates that bring a lot of attention to injustice in general and i guess injustice videos which is what we do yeah and and at the end of the day i think we have kind of reached a comfortable niche where we're not actually looking for growth and obviously slowly um kind of bleeding um people watching us isn't great but it seems like we actually have a core of people who are asking interesting questions and saying interesting stuff where i'm feeling better actually on average about our comment section and our viewership despite uh the drop in numbers just because you know even where we're looking at in this um this q a where people are talking about like classes they're taking in university uh books that open their eyes right we're having like you know discussions that to me just feel uh more meaningful to the point where uh i don't care if it's half as many people are watching it seems like the people who are watching and commenting and engaging are only getting uh better in my own personal opinion for whatever that's worth it's definitely interesting. I mean, part for me, like I said, it's never been about the money, although that's always nice yeah. and it's something that you can't ignore once you start getting it. But you yeah, know, it's it like, gives me excuse. The to money talk was to. just a good metric to look at how successful we were overall. It was a right. it was not even the best metric, but it was a decent metric, and it's the kind of one that has the most real world ramifications. Right. I mean, especially yeah. since all right, so because you're you're away at school mm-hmm. and. Under normal circumstances, if we didn't have this YouTube channel together, we'd probably spend a lot less time talking. That's true. Yeah. And so we'd be a little bit less connected. And I, I'm always grateful to YouTube for that, if nothing else. For for fostering that connection. Yeah, that that's fair. Uh, I think it's unlikely that we would have a lot of the conversations that we've been having uh, just because they're they're not really relevant to anything specific in real world and they kind of just come out of sitting down and just talking about anything and everything for a little while so so i totally agree and i don't think this is the uh this would be exactly the nature of our relationship if i was if i was away and that's uh you know i'm glad for you too yeah well that that saved me having to give you allowance so (laughs) that's true that that was many moons ago yeah yeah, okay. There we go. Our next question comes from Marty McFlew, and they ask, what new Injustice characters are overrated and or underrated? Uh, overrated, I think it's easy. The medals are the most overrated night right now. Well, maybe not all the medals, just mm-hmm. the, the first two medals. Nightwing is interesting because he's actually more difficult because his tagging and stealing power actually does make it more difficult to fight yeah but you know the medals all right so maybe they start off with higher stats maybe they're a new tier of character but non-hackers they can't upgrade their specials or promote uh promote them without putting in a a crap ton of time 
um, opening yeah. packs, and uh, they don't have the Valorium to upgrade their specials or their passive. Um, hackers clearly do, but mm-hmm. the, you, it's just uh, they're not a problem. I mean, if I face a metal team that doesn't have Nightwing, I'm not worried. It's nothing. Like it just it. it it makes really no difference in terms of the the time that a fight takes. Yeah, and I guess the problem for underrated characters is it's a little bit difficult for us to judge that because we don't actually keep up too much, and there's not actually a lot of discussion on um, the meta, right? We kind of just play our own way, and I mean, for the meta, I mean, we do keep up just in what's coming up in online battles, right? But that's not necessarily what people think is better or worse. Right. So. Oh. Uh, um. I was totally agreeing with you, and then it just occurred to me that I actually have a couple candidates for the most underrated. Um, Elsewhere, Flash, mm. who's the Flash with the lowest stats, and Containment Doomsday, who were part of our Q&A team for oh, yeah. years, and there used, to, there used to be a lot more noise online in the forum saying, well, Elsewhere, Flash sucks, because he used to be in the Most Wanted pack. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't suck. He's actually pretty good. Um, That's true, but I don't even consider those underrated. I don't even Uh, consider those underrated because of how we use them so much. That's what I'm saying is that my my kind of... My way of figuring out whether a character is underrated or not is kind of incompatible with us telling you anything new because uh, we've, we've talked about characters that are underrated, but then we use them enough that, I mean, they're not underrated to us. And uh, yeah. ideally, they're not underrated to the people who are watching us and listening to us. And I don't follow any other communities. Um, and really, right now, there's not a lot of that sort of like, oh, this person sucks talk going on to even figure out who we're using that other people think suck. Yeah, so it's, that's it's, true. It's harder. It's increasingly difficult to formulate the um, kind of counter to... Uh, the opinion where we're saying, oh, this character is underrated, because for somebody to be underrated, we have to be listening to somebody else say they suck, and there's not a lot right. of that going on. Right. No, that's true. That's actually true. Oh, um, just want to point out, too, about the medals. Part of the reason I, I should mention again, because I mean, we've talked about it before, but it may not be obvious to everybody. The other reason why the medals are overrated is because right now they max out at Elite 7, so they're yeah. level 50 Elite 7, so even though they start off with higher stats, they don't end up higher than a lot of the guys when the the regular golds that are higher stats end up at 60 and elite 10. Mm. So I just want to point that out again. Okay, there we go. And we have a comment, our next comment from Lisa Peacock. And this is a response to our response to Drake Pendergan. And you're going to want to hold on for this one because it, there's, there's a little bit of a back and forth that had taken place here. Um, so the initial comment isn't necessarily indicative of where we ended up landing on it. So the first comment says, Okay guys, your statement or comment on the second question just to me seems pretty naive. I wish the world was presented in the terms like you attest, but that's not the real world. The real world is much harsher. And then uh, Lisa... Well, we asked her to, uh, to be like expand expanded. Expanded, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so Lisa says, In a statement... That in, if I have in any way misunderstood, please correct me, in the statement that affirmative action is another way of discrimination is what I took from your comments. Uh, I can see your reasoning, but coming from my culture and background, I see it more as a leveling opportunity. I believe that someday mankind will reach the ability to judge on merit and content, but as of yet, that is not the case. And furthermore, if you look at the discussion as a whole, you're putting yourself in the, are you putting, sorry, are you putting yourself in the shoes of someone who may be African American, Hispanic, or Asian to see how affirmative action may be different in their perspectives? Not that I'm passing judgment, just asking the question. And I think before we go any farther, we should say the way that you put things out here is 
totally and completely what we agree with. And I think we um, explained that in our reply to you, but that your stance is our stance. And if we, if we did not have that come across clearly, then that is a, a failure on our parts, but not a failure right. of um, our, our opinions in relation to yours. Cause our opinions well, are pretty well, ma- our opinions don't fail. <laughs> That's true. But if um, I, I, wholeheartedly agree with the the worldview that lisa has put forward here and then the final comment was as i advised earlier if i was wrong thank you for correcting me i do believe your outlook and your view is correct people hear that word in it is a reactionary word much like the n-word or some other negative stereotype most people would like to believe that they got there on their own i just don't see that talking about affirmative action as Mm -hmm. kind of the idea that it's like reverse racism which is uh i'm just gonna say right now dumb it's a that's that's a dumb idea that's not what it is um and this is actually super relevant to something i just read um where they looked at a study talking about intelligence scores using so where was this um this was out of my psych textbook so okay uh this is cited from some study but i don't know what specific study and i couldn't tell you the kind of holistic validity of it but they were looking at um a variable called G, the general intelligence factor, um, and looking at how that correlated with job performance. And the intelligence score had a 0.53 correlation. That's between uh, on a scale between 0 and 1. So that was the single largest correlation because, you know, it's over 0.5. It's over half, right? So maybe for the viewers or the listeners, then 1 is a perfect correlation, so it's in lockstep. 0 is totally independent, random. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is about half... You generally don't get one because one means that like they're the they're, same thing. They're exact. Yeah, they measure what is meaningfully exactly the same thing. Uh, whether right. or like there's a third thing that's causing the other two variables. Those variables are perfectly correlated with each other. And if you have one, you can exactly predict the other one. Right. Um, but it's so like zero point five Celsius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Fahrenheit and Celsius have a, a 1.0 correlation. One of them directly correlates to the other. It's like literally any function where yeah. you put something in and it should be able, you should be able to get exactly what the other value is. Right. But so 0.53 is, you know, pretty significant. That's that's more than half. And if you look at the other factors that they talked about, education is 0.1 and their um, interview, how they interviewed is a 0.14. And like certification education and interviews skills are basically the primary two things that you measure there's almost nothing else that you actually do measure because your resume is basically an indication of your uh education level uh and writing skills and Mm -hmm. previous experience and the interview is the other major component and both of these put together it's a 0.1 and a 0.14 so that's about a quarter uh, you know, that's, that's, and I know it's not additive like that. That's not how correlation works, but basically they don't correlate super strongly with how well you perform. And there's a totally separate factor of, uh, kind of general intelligence. So what is that, that general is intelligence? Much more valuable. See, what? I don't know the exact way that they measured it. That's the, that's the place that my actual understanding of the study failed. But, uh, basically the point is, is that not only is, are, education and interview skills not actually great uh indicators of how well you're going to perform but also there are other like measurable indicators that are much much more meaningful okay yeah all right so my take on it that was cool actually that your psych text just happened like you're going through it at a time when we were we were 
looking at this question. Yeah, and I'm literally talking about going through it about half an hour before we started recording this. Like, that, that, this was recently. Like, I was literally reading through it, making notes on Psych, and I was like, oh, this is cool. And I specifically put a note in my phone to uh, bring this up on this video. Well, all right, so what's funny is we're, we're kind of, I mean, we're definitely American, or sorry, Canadian, but we've kind of gotten Americanized a little bit because so one of the reasons I think why I have trouble remembering the, the phrase affirmative action is because it's actually called employment equity in Canada. Mm. Um, and I mean, I know people make different arguments about why that's done. And I mm-hmm. think if you pick the wrong argument, you end up alienating the people or uh, pushing away the people that I think need the most convincing. And to yeah. me, I was thinking, what, so what, in what way does it make the most sense? Not that it's the only way or the right way, but to me, it's what it, the fundamental value of it is that you're taking into account something. Like you were talking about general intelligence, education, interview, right? How they yeah. correlate a little bit. Yeah. What you're trying to do is take into account something that was not only previously ignored, but was mm-hmm. devaluing uh, people. Yeah, that's so, when I when I researched this previously for a project, one thing that was really interesting in the research that they found is that people when you brought people together that were less similar to each other, their uh, ability to problem solve was better because you had a wider uh, range of backgrounds and experiences to draw from. Right. Uh, but something also that was interesting is it also took them longer to come to these decisions because it's obviously easier if everybody's on the exact same page if nobody's had any different experience if everybody finds the same solution to the same problem you don't have to talk about which one you're gonna put into practice (laughs) so so you don't get to the right place but you get there faster or you don't get to as good a right place i i'm the problem is that it's a it's a bit of a sliding scale so maybe you get a mediocre solution or you know in some cases you get a really good solution but you you you're getting a lot less solutions so it, it right. it's quick because you don't have to choose between solutions you just pick the one that everybody thought of because everybody had the same thought <laughs> right all right so see here's the thing all right so let's uh di- that diversity of experience that is for a lot of times for a lot of situations it's undervalued right mm. so it's actually i mean in some ways or in some a lot of situations you actually it's actually discriminated against right that if you're uh different in some way that it's held against you and it really should be a positive not a negative yeah. I, I, I think part of that too is the world that you live in right because i think the problem is when they're um you know the especially the more explicit um racist or uh, otherwise discriminatory sentiment is if you're in an environment in which is hostile to you if you're different from the people around you and difficulties are being created the problem is if let's let's use the example of if you're a woman if you're the only woman that works in an office and you're constantly being sexually harassed and you go to the boss the boss says well if you're a dude nobody would be sexually harassing you and they're they're fit like pinpointing the, the exact yeah. wrong issue right because right the the problem is the boss isn't wrong an issue is coming across their desk and the the reason is that um or the i, I don't even want to say the reason is because this is totally wrong but the one of the factors that is causing it and removing any of these factors would solve the problem is one of the factors is the fact that the person sitting across the desk who has been sexually harassed is a woman but the the actual factor that's significant is that all the people who are sexually harassing the person are sexually harassing the person. But, um, yeah. you know, if you're if you're just looking at it from what's the easiest way to make this problem go away, it's not actually always the wrong answer to say, hey, remove anybody uh, who's different or remove anybody who 
is in a position to be taken advantage of and then not um, be quiet, be silent about it. Wait, wait, no, no, that's not always not the wrong answer. That's actually, even though it's a difficult one, that's actually the right answer, I think is what you meant. I'm saying from from the boss's perspective. I'm saying from when you're when you're looking at it from just a a pure numbers game and when you have no oh, um, sense of morality. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, so it's the easiest solution, but not the right. right one. I'm not going to say right answer. I'm going to say it, it is a very expedient. poorly. It's an expedient answer. Yeah, and and it is uh, f- to the wrong kind of person a justifiable answer. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like when, when if you were uh, late for work or something because you stopped at McDonald's and had a, a coffee, the answer isn't, damn, goddamn McDonald's coffee. The answer is really maybe make a little bit more time or don't have the coffee or don't, you know what I mean? Like it's that kind of where you yeah. get the wrong, yeah, you get the wrong lesson from it. Yeah, so yeah. Before, all right, so before we, we were making this video, I could try to come up with examples of this. Like the per, a beautiful example is Moneyball. Mm. So that was the... Um, uh, uh, the nonfiction book and movie that was made in the movie about baseball and how Oakland A's took advantage of on-base percentage as a stat that was undervalued. I mean, they started. Uh, it was an official stat starting in 1984, mm-hmm. and it was undervalued, and people didn't appreciate it enough. And because of this undervaluing of the on-base percentage, Oakland was able to leverage it by uh, underpaying for it, but then being able to stack their team with guys yeah. who could deliver. And they were quite successful on a small market budget because they were actually able to get this at a good value, although it's yeah. no longer cheap because more people recognize it as something important and useful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, there's lots of stuff. Oh, uh, speaking of women, there was a study about um, orchestra auditions. Uh, I can't remember how long it was. Maybe like at least 10 or 20 years ago where they Mm -hmm. started doing blind auditions for orchestras, not because of affirmative action or anything, but because they were afraid that there was a lot of nepotism going on where people who knew each other were hiring like family members and they weren't getting the best um, Mm -hmm. applicants or musicians. And what happened was they actually ended up getting more women than they did before. So it was an unexpected outcome. But it was an unexpected plus because they were hiring the most qualified people for the job. Yes, and they weren't even they weren't even trying to hire more diversely. But it turns out by removing any chance of bias, they were just doing better. Yeah, and so all right. So now we're at the end of our video, so we're running out of time. But I wanted to say that if if you can if we take the approach to employment equity or affirmative action in a different way, instead of talking about does this discriminate against white white men, because that's the argument that some people are trying to make and have yeah it, it the argument i'm trying to make is that does diversity have value mm-hmm. and i believe it does and you've mm-hmm. got to recognize it some way to be able to say okay you marks are worth something the interviews were something well diversity is worth something too mm-hmm. i think that's a really good point yeah i i forget where i, I saw this and i'm gonna butcher the quote but there was something um that i read that was just along the lines of when you're when you are used to coming from privilege sometimes equality can look like discrimination because you're losing your edge right yes yes and nobody's nobody's gonna say that things are easy just because you are you know insert majority group here 
right? But it's it's right. all a sort of comparative scale where I think stuff is hard for almost anybody almost no matter what your situation is. Even if you, for example, come from a lot of money, you if you go to a really good school and get really good grades, you can't you can't just buy that, right? You can you can purchase Well you can sometimes every well you you can't <laughs> depends but on the I mean, school. There are educational institutions where you can't purchase marks. And Some, yeah. uh what your all the money has done is give you every opportunity to work for those marks and not work for not have to spend your effort working for something else to allow you even the opportunity to show up in the first place you don't have to spend all that energy getting your foot in the door you can just sit down and focus on being successful once you're there um but but nobody's nobody's saying that just because you are insert group of person here you've had it easy and nobody's saying that just because you're like insert like minority group you've had it like objectively really hard because somebody can be in that same really privileged situation um in in one aspect just because um like separate from the fact that they have they have issues somewhere else right somebody can be in a really positive socioeconomic position and uh still be uh, a racial minority for example and it doesn't mean that that person has had it crazy super hard but we're right. just talking about kind of comparatively if somebody else was in the exact same situation if everything else were the same uh but then they they also had this difference they also belong to a minority group things are harder for that person and that's yeah. i think really difficult to argue you're touching on the idea of intersectionality right Mm -hmm. where it's not just one factor and one factor is all all that there is there's a whole bunch of things that has an influence up or down yeah and you know real life you take into account all of that yeah and so affirmative action i think is a good i think the way that you have contextualized it is actually uh, a pretty digestible way for me too uh it wasn't initially the perspective that i've taken but in the weeks that we've been talking about it i think you you've sold me on it a little bit where what inter um what using it is is looking at kind of removing uh and counterbalancing those kind of comparative issues where you can look at somebody's success and then say, okay, well, let's, let's try affirmative action is like, okay, so let's try to pretend we were working with a level playing field. We got to kind of fudge these numbers a bit to get people, uh, to, to show their potential instead of just showing their, their success because potential Mm -hmm. and success are two very different things. And, uh, a lot of, uh, potential is not shown just by looking at success. Right. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah, so there we go. Uh, Well, this is a good place to leave it, but we also have to thank our patrons before we we fully, you know, turn off the lights, um, shut shut down the studio, (laughs) flip the on air sign to off. So we have to give a huge thank you to Consul Peasant, Eddie G, and Edwin Felix, who are supporting us at the highest last word tier we have iProfit who is taking advantage this week of his your message here tier oh my goodness i have uh oh my list my list is not currently at my physical location so i have to come up with on the spot what this um what this segment is called it iProfit is taking us to his lovingly nurtured uh garden of guffaws <laughs> and <laughs> With, with the following message. Why does Steel get so many traffic tickets? Why does Steel get so many traffic tickets? Because of his lead foot. <laughs> eh, that's, that's, that's a bit of a groaner. That's a bit of a groaner. Yeah. And still for those good, people, though. I I don't know if he's popular anymore. I I just remember when I was still collecting comics. This was when uh, the death of Superman, and then a whole bunch of different Superman came back, mm. and Steel was one of them. And 
weren't they working a movie where uh, Shaquille O'Neal was Steel? I have no clue. Yeah, so definitely you. DC. It's definitely DC World, so it fits. Um, so also we That's can't it. forget Sean Farrell and Daniel Simonson, who are supporting us on the credited level, and Lazo Gergiadis mm-hmm. and Chris Wolf at the um, gratitude, gratitude tier. Let, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And thank you to all of you so much for watching. And we'll listening. see you next time. Oh, and listening. Watching and listening. <laughs> Whatever format you're taking. Uh, some of you, at least one of you, is probably currently in class right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please pay attention. Just Don't a little bit. your education bit. go to waste. <laughs> okay. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening. We will see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.